I'm, I'm very excited about this message uh, because uh, this is this is something I enjoy preaching about because it's so it's so true. I mean, in, it's something that means a lot. It probably means it may even mean more to some of you than it does to me. You've got maybe uh, some. I know some of you have some spouses there, maybe maybe even some kid children there, and people that you'll want to see again. And boy, it's so thrilling to be able to tell people to look them in the eye, know you're telling them the truth, and say. hey, that person's saved. If you're saved, you're going to see them again. I, I'm, I tell you, I'm thrilled about that. I love, I love that message. 
And in Psalms 116, verse 15, I want to read one verse to you. Because this verse here, it's, uh, it's, of course, it's in the Word of God, it's true. But it, a lot of times when we talk about death, uh, it's not really a pleasant thing. We don't really like to talk about it. We don't really like to think about it. But the truth is, when you study the Bible and when you study death and what it is, the truth is, if you're saved, it's it's really kind of an exciting thing. And you're really, by the time I'm done with this message, I guess my goal, uh, hopefully, is everybody in here is going to want to die. <laughs> I'm just kidding by that. Listen, but the truth is, we all are going to die, are we not? It's going to happen unless unless we're taken out of here by the rapture. It's going to happen. Uh, and the truth is, when it comes to death, the one it's really sad for is just the people that are still here on this earth because we have to say goodbye to people that we love. But for that person who dies, uh, that's going on to heaven, we don't really need to feel sorry for them. They're a whole lot better off than we are. In Psalms 116, verse 15 it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. It's precious to God. We don't look at it as precious, but to God it is because that's when we get to be united with Him. That's when we get to be there in heaven with Him. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And I can tell you right now, He's looking forward to showing it to us. He's excited about showing us what He has for us. He's excited about uh, giving us the chance to meet Him and to see Him face to face. It's all real. It's all going to happen. And so, for God, death is a precious thing. It's an exciting thing for Him. And today what I want to talk about is, because it's going to come for all of us, and kind of what I want to do today is, I want, I want to talk to everybody today as though you were on your deathbed. So that's kind of depressing. Well, no, not really. But the truth is, we're all dying, are we not? Are you a sinner today? If you're a sinner, you're dying. We're all dying. We're going to die eventually. Um, well, there's young kids here. Well, you know, go out to the cemetery sometimes, and you're going to see young kids buried out there. We don't know when that day is going to come. Hopefully, we'll all be blessed with long life, but we don't know that we're going to have it. We're all going to die someday. And you know, the truth is, I mean, I've studied, I've studied this stuff and for years, and just always kind of been fascinated with it. And you know what? And the question that always comes to my mind is just, you know, what comes next? How is it going to work? I mean, what all is going to happen? And the truth is, the Bible shows us a lot of what's going to take place and a lot of what's going to happen. And many people, they have that question, especially when they know it's close to the end of their life. Maybe they've got a sickness or something. They know they don't have much time. And they ask that question, what comes next? For the saved, we know that it's something we don't need to fear, but you know, you just can't help but be a little curious about what it's going to be like, how it's going to work. And when we look in the Bible, we can get an idea of what's going to happen. However, some of it is a mystery. Some of us, some of it, we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. We are going to find out eventually. We're not going to, and we're not going to completely understand it until after we experience it. But I think one of the best ways I can compare uh, maybe death and going to heaven to something that I've experienced on this earth because I've never been close to dying or anything like that. But I will never forget. I will never forget in the year 2000 when I had the privilege of making a trip to Israel. I mean, I'd heard about Israel all my life. I'd read all the Bible stories all my life. And I was so excited about it. 
I mean, I just can't tell you how excited I was. I mean, I'd, I'd saved, I was saving up money for that trip. And I remember we finally flew into Israel. I remember I could see Israel. And boy, that was exciting. And I remember when we first got there, we're in Tel Aviv, and it's a pretty modern city. And I'm just kind of looking around. I'm like, man, this isn't really what I was expecting or hoping for, you know. It doesn't look like what I had pictured. Uh, and I knew that, you know, they have, it's not, doesn't look the same as it did back in the time of Christ. But I remember, you know, we went and did a bunch of different things in the, uh, before we finally got into Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place I was really excited about going. Because Jerusalem, that was where the cross, Mount Calvary was. Jerusalem was also where the garden tomb was. And I couldn't wait to see those things. And when you get into that, when you go into Jerusalem, you go to where the old city is, it looks very like you're back in time. It looks uh, probably in some ways similar to the ways it did during the time of Christ. And I will never forget, we're almost into Jerusalem. I remember I'm sitting on that bus and I've just, I've been waiting for this, I've been waiting for this. And I remember all of a sudden they started playing one of my favorite songs. Well, it wasn't one of my favorite songs then, but it is now after this experience. They started playing the song of the Holy City. And I remember they started playing that. And while that song is going, I remember all of a sudden we saw the walls of the Old City. We saw that Dome of the Rock that's real famous there. And I just cannot tell you how excited I was. That song became one of my favorite songs that day just because it reminds me of that time when I first saw Jerusalem. But even then, we didn't see a whole lot of the biblical sites. It was it was the evening, and we went to the hotel that night. And I remember the next day, we're driving along, and we were going to go see some other things before we got to Calvary and the Garden Tombs. Like they were kind of saving that for one of the last things. But I remember we went driving down this road, and all of a sudden, I look over to the right, and I see Mount Calvary. Just real quick. I'm like, hey, we just drove, we just drove by Mount Calvary. I'd seen the pictures and things before, and I just saw it for a second, and I'm like, oh, man, it was right there. And it was just, it was driving me, I want to go see that place. I mean, I just, I, it, it drove me nuts that I had just spotted it for a few seconds. If I'd have been driving, I'd have been hitting the brakes and getting out and going and checking out real quick, taking some pictures and things. But it was so exciting because I've read about it all my life, I've heard about it all my life, and I finally got to see it. And I remember that next day we went there and we visited, uh, we visited Mount Calvary and then just around the corner from there, I remember we walked and I got to see the garden tomb. And I, I can't even tell you what that was like. I got to walk inside of it. And to see this place that I'd heard about all my life and to finally get to see it, it was so thrilling. But let me tell you, none of those things compare to heaven. None of them compare to heaven. I've got to meet some people in, in person. I remember when I got to get Ryan Sandberg's autograph. He was my favorite baseball player when I was a kid. I got to shake his hand. I was excited. I remember we actually went to a Cubs game one time and when we were at the game, we saw Michael Jordan was at the game. Oh man, I was all excited. I saw Michael Jordan. But imagine getting to meet Jesus Christ. To get to meet Moses and David and uh, and the prophets and all Abraham and all these people. Imagine getting that. Imagine getting to meet just the people that you know and love that you haven't seen for many years. Imagine that. It's that real, just as real as it was for me when I went to Israel. Someday I'm going to go to that place called heaven. But before that happens, I have we have to die. We die first. And so, just some questions maybe that come to mind, I want to try to give you. First of all, what is death? 
What's happening when a person dies? Well, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, it uses this term a lot in the Bible. It uses the term giving... It's, death is basically giving up the ghost. Giving up the ghost. Genesis 25, 8, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Also, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew chapter 15, verse 37... Or Mark 15, verse 37. It says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. What is the ghost? Oh, your ghost. That's your spirit that's inside of you. Your spirit that you have. It's who you really are. When you die, that spirit, that ghost, it goes on to be with God. And without that spirit, or without that ghost, your body isn't any good, is it? I mean, it's this body is just a, it's just a shell. Once that ghost leaves... Your body's just going to lay there and it's going to rot and eventually going to turn back into dust when you give up the ghost. What does that mean? What are you talking about? Well, the way I guess I would explain what giving up the ghost is, your body that you have, it's kind of like a container that's holding in your spirit. Your spirit wants to leave, but your body won't let it. For example, if I was to just stand here right now and just try to fall flat on my face. I don't think I could do it. You know, because reflexes. Because that's going to hurt really bad. And you have something inside you that says, hey, I don't want to get hurt. If I wanted right now, right now, I could go to heaven right now. I could be there in probably less than five minutes. All I have to do is just go over there and start bashing my head against that brick wall until I die. But I don't think I can, I don't think I can do that, can I? Am I not capable of swinging my body around? No, my reflexes might won't let me because it would hurt too bad. But that, but at the same time, we all have that spirit inside us that kind of wants to leave. But our body, eventually, though, it's weak and it will get to the point where we can't hold it in any longer. It'll get old. It'll get tired. Or maybe if you get hurt really bad and you're in so much pain that you can't hold it in anymore. The doctors sometimes they'll tell people, you know, hang on, just hang on a little longer while I try to work them, but they can't. Their bodies it's shutting down, it's hurting, they can't hold it anymore. And that spirit, it leaves, and it it leaves the body. Philippians chapter one, verse twenty three says, This Paul talking he said, For I am in the strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul's like, hey, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Christ. That's better than being on this earth. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul understands. He's like, I'm not going to go commit suicide even though I want to be with Christ because I right now I need to be here. God's given me life. I need to use it for Him. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was writing 2 Timothy and he's on his way to being executed, he didn't care. He was excited about it. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happened when Paul... I was executed according to history. He had his head cut off. But something tells me that Paul, on his way to getting his head cut off, was probably having a very good time. I mean, he was knowing Paul, he was probably singing. He might have been maybe preaching along the way a little bit. Maybe I could see him trying to preach to the executioner only because he's thinking, hey, I've still got breath. I still need to do something for God. That was his attitude. But he was ready to go to heaven. But his body wouldn't let him. But eventually, though, we're all going to have to give up the ghost. We're going to have to let it go. 
And so what happens immediately after death? What's the first thing that happens? Well, in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, we see what happens. We talked about we went through this story last week with Lazarus. Luke 16:22 says, "And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. When Lazarus died, the angels came and they carried him. They carried his body, no. They carried his spirit. That ghost, they carried it to paradise. When that rich man, when he died, he just fell. He went, he fell into the place that we talked about last week called hell. But Lazarus, he was carried. When you die, if you're saved, the angels, they're going to come. It's like, they're going to take you. It's like, they're going to, you know, they always tell you on, on the movies, you know, just go to the light. You know, go to the light. Uh, no, the angels will help you out. I don't know which way to go. I'm lost. I'm in darkness. It's probably not saved. You're getting ready to fall. But if you're saved, hey, the angels are going to come and they're going to carry you. They're going to take you to heaven. They're going to take you to be with Christ. I've got a book right here. I might, if I have time, I might read a couple of the stories from it called Dying Testimonies of the Saved and Unsaved. It's, it's amazing the stories that are in there. Most of them come from the 1800s. Nowadays, when people die, uh, usually, if they see it coming, you know they're in hospitals and they got you pretty drugged up and everything. And I'm I'm not against that. You know they're trying to keep it easy. But back in the day before they had all that stuff, it was very common when people were dying for sometimes them to talk about seeing things like angels. They would talk about seeing people that they knew that were dead before they died. It was also very common for people to start screaming in agony and talking about burning. That was also very common. We may have time to read some of those stories. Uh, nowadays, you don't see that as much as you did back then, but it is a very, it is, it is a very real thing. Those angels will come and they'll carry you to heaven if you're, if you're saved. If you're lost, your spirit falls into the, what the Bible refers to as the bottomless pit. Another question was, what's, so what's the first thing that we do when we get to heaven? All right? So you're, here, you're laying there on your deathbed. You're wondering, hey, what's going to happen? Well, pretty soon you're not going to be able to hang on any longer. Your spirit's going to leave. If you're saved, it's going to be caught by the angels. It's going to be carried up to heaven. And the first thing, Acts chapter 7, verse 54, we see another man who's dying. A godly man named Stephen. man full of the Holy Ghost. He's preaching. Stephen's preaching his first message. The Jews didn't like it. They ended up taking him and stoning him. In verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, who we all know later becomes Paul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Bible uses that term a lot for dead saved people. It says they're asleep. 
and he fell asleep. But before that happened, the Bible says he saw Jesus. He saw Him standing at the throne. I believe the first thing that happens when we die, we're carried by the angels and we're carried to the presence of Jesus Christ. I believe He's going to be the first one that's going to greet us in heaven. first person I plan on meeting when I get to heaven is Jesus Christ. We sang the song, My Savior first of all. first one I want to meet when I die. I want to meet the Lord. I can't wait to see Him. To actually be there and see Him. And then after that, there's a lot of other people. There's family. My grandparents are in heaven. Many other people that I know. A friend of mine that just died a couple weeks ago. Don, I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven. I'm going to see these people again. I'm looking forward to that. But the first thing, we're going to be greeted by Jesus Christ. But also, and this is something that ought to cause us to you know, think a little bit, sober us up a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. I believe we're going to meet Jesus Christ. But also... The Bible says in verse five, or in chapter five, verse one: For we know that if our um, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. He's talking about, hey, you know, we've got this house right here, but we're looking forward to the one that we're getting in heaven. So this body you have right here, it's just a house. It's temporary. You've got an immortal one waiting for you in heaven. Verse 5, Now he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, Therefore, we are always confident knowing that uh, whilst we are at home in the body, we are present, or we are, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Notice that part. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you see that person in a coffin, listen, funerals for the saved, they're only sad for us. It's the time really we ought to be rejoicing for them. Because it's obvious when you look at somebody, no matter what they do to them, they always look dead, don't they? When somebody just doesn't move for a long period of time, you can tell pretty quick. They're not there. Which means, if they're saved, they're present with the Lord. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We are all going to stand before God someday. And we are all, we're all going to be there. We're all going to be judged. And much of what takes place is a mystery, but one thing is for certain, all those who stand before the judgment seat of Christ are going to make it into heaven thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Last week we talked about the great white throne of judgment. That's where the dead are judged. That's where the lost are judged. Every one of them get cast into the lake of fire. The judgment seat of Christ, that's where the saved go. We go there when we die. Verse 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, and all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like, well, when I stand before God, there's no way He's going to let me in. I've sinned way too much in my life. But thankfully, we see verse 24, but are being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. We don't have time to go into all the verses, but one thing that we know, when we stand before God someday, we're going to have an advocate. We're going to have a propitiation. We're going to have Jesus Christ pleading our defense. And we're going to be able to claim His righteousness. When we get judged according to our works, we're in big trouble. But thankfully, when it comes to the remission of sin, we as saved people, we claim the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we sing songs like Saved by the Blood. That's why we sing songs like Nothing But the Blood because we understand that we're going to heaven not because we're good people, not because we're Baptists. We're going to heaven because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. And when we stand there on Judgment Day, we're going to be okay thanks to Jesus Christ. And that's exciting. That thrills me to death because I know by my works, I'm not good enough. Many people, when they're dying, many times they get concerned and they're thinking there's just no way I'm good enough. There's no way God's going to let me into heaven. My question is, have you believed on Him? Did you call on Him for salvation? Are you trying to get there, or are you trying to get there on your own good works? Listen, what you need to do, what everybody has to do, they have to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've called on Him for salvation, He'll be standing there with you. And Jesus Christ, He's never lost a case. You will be allowed into heaven. Everyone who stands before the judgment seat of Christ is going to be okay because they have an advocate with the Father. So then the next, so okay, so we, we die, we're carried by the angels, we meet Jesus Christ, we're judged, and we, we make it into heaven. So, what about, what about those loved ones? Will I, be able, will I be able to find those loved ones that have already died? Well, the truth is, I don't know how everything's going to work in heaven. But I know that we're not just going to be sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. I know it's going to be more than that. The truth is, saved people don't really die. Okay, we've talked about that. Saved people don't really die. Matthew chapter 22. There was a group of people known as the Sadducees. They did not believe in a spirit or a resurrection and afterlife. They thought what's here on this earth is all that there is. But Matthew chapter 22, verse 23 says that the same day came unto him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and shall raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with the seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, ye have not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God said that to Moses, okay? When Moses was on earth, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead, were they not? But he said, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. 
And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Said, ah, I'm not the God of the dead. God, when Moses was there, he was still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because they were still alive. They were in paradise. And the truth is, those loved ones you have, they are not dead. They are alive. John chapter 11, verse 25. I love this verse. Jesus saith unto her, talking about, uh, this is when Lazarus had died, I am the resurrection, the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I love that verse. They don't ever really die just because your body shuts down and your spirit goes somewhere else. Hey, that body, it's just a body. It's temporary. It's not that great. But your spirit, that's what's eternal. And that goes on to be in heaven. So I do believe that you will be able to find your loved ones. They are there in a real place. It's not this limbo out there with lost souls. No, they're they're saved. They're there in heaven. I believe they're going to probably be waiting right behind Jesus Christ to meet you. They're going to be waiting in line. And there is going to be... We're going to read one of those verses in a minute. So it's like, okay, well, I've met my levels. Well, then what? So what happens after that? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Because you know what? After we go to heaven, uh, we're not done. we're actually not done down here. The truth is, there is going to be a bodily resurrection. The, the truth is also, there's some people that are not going to see even a physical death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn over there. I love this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm telling you this verse, it will make a Presbyterian shout. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What's he talking about there? Death, I guess. Doesn't always like to use that term. Just doesn't really make sense for the saved. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I tell you, that verse there, it makes me just want to go out to the cemetery sometime and just laugh at it. Because it's not going to be able to hold my body. There's not a cemetery around that's going to be able to keep me there forever. It's only temporary. I want to get it on my tombstone. This is the temporary dwelling place of Tommy McMurtry's body. Because it's going to resurrect someday. Like, that's creepy. That's scary. They're like talking about zombies. No, it's not going to be like that. When we resurrect, we're going to be changed. There's going to be something different. This Our spirit, it's going to go on to be with Christ. But in that, that day of the rapture, it's going to have, we are going to be, our spirit is going to be reunited with the body. It's going to be resurrected, but this time it's different. It's, it's different. It's changed. It's incorruptible. It cannot sin. It's like Christ. I, I'm, I, can't, I just can't even imagine. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The resurrection, Job talked about it. I love what Job said about it. He said that after this body, worms destroy this body. 
Worms destroy. That's what's gonna. That's what's eventually gonna happen. But then he said, "In my flesh, I shall see God." So your spirit, it's gonna go on to heaven. But later on, this your body is gonna be resurrected, but it's gonna be changed. If you're going bald, you're gonna have hair. If you've got creaks and aches, they're not gonna. You're not gonna have the creaks and the aches anymore. You're not gonna have any of those flaws. If you have scars now, those scars are gonna be gone. It, you are going. It's gonna be a new body, or it's gonna be the same body. But it's gonna be transformed into a body like Christ, one that is incorruptible. Your physical body is gonna resurrect. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. I love this passage. Also, this passage is great. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Okay, he's not talking about somebody in the bedroom that hasn't woke up yet. He's talking about those that are buried, those that we call dead. I would not have you be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He doesn't say you're not allowed to sorrow. If you've lost somebody that you love and that you care about deeply, you have the right to suffer. God is not upset with you sorrowing over that. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. It is sad because you miss those people. But he says, don't sorrow like others who have no hope. Because understand that while you're sorrowing, it would be like if you maybe had a son or a daughter that went off to fight a war somewhere and they were going to be gone overseas for a year. Okay, You'd be sad to see them go, but at least you'd have the hope that hey, they're going to come back. And the truth is, it's the same when someone dies. We understand that we're going to see them again. It's not the end. If you're, if you're both saved. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. There's going to be some Christians that they're still going to be alive when Christ comes. They're not going to sleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You say, hey, if you're alive when the rapture comes, if you're, if you, if you're here for that day, you're going to be caught up with them. With who? With those that you've lost. With those that were already asleep in Jesus, you're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. They're probably going to be introducing you to them. I mean, they're looking forward to you getting there just as much as God is probably, more than you're probably looking forward to it. That day, it's coming. It's a real thing that's going to that's going to happen. So that's exciting. And then we don't have time to go all end up. We know that the Lord someday He's going to. Rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And He's going to use us during that time. And there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about there, and it's all exciting. But you know, we don't have time to get into that. But so then, what, last question though that maybe comes is so what, what happens after all that? What happens after the rapture, after our bodies have resurrected, after we're together with Christ again? What's going to happen? Well, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 7 is the best thing I can. Best thing I can give you. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
And I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I think you all have experienced that those things haven't. You've all experienced sorrow and pain. You yourself haven't experienced death, but you've experienced the death of somebody that you love. You've shed the tears. Everybody in here has felt some of that to one extent or another, but it's the day is coming when that's done. That's over. It's finished. It's complete. Verse 6, And He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Listen, I don't know what all is going to be involved after that. What we are going to do for the rest of eternity. Well, let me tell you, I've read enough about heaven to know that it's probably going to be pretty exciting. We have this infinite universe that's out there that I'm sure God made for something. We have heaven. We didn't go into the details of heaven itself, but we know that it's a place with streets of gold. Streets of gold. You know, it's funny. We spend all our lives and all our time trying to get our hands on a little bit of silver and a little bit of gold. And it's only pavement in heaven. You all would think I was a fool if you saw me out collecting pavement just carrying it around in bags all the time and devoting my life to pavement. And I wonder if that's what God thinks sometimes when He looks at us and our whole lives are centered around just the things of this world and money. It's so, it's so worthless when you think about eternity. It really is nothing. This, this time that we have on earth, it is temporary. It is something that's necessary. We understand that man has sinned. Man is a fallen... We're a fallen race. But thank God He sent Jesus to make a way of salvation for us. Thank the Lord He gives us time. He, maybe over and over again, He'll speak to our hearts trying to show us that we're a sinner and that we need to call on Him. And when we do, when He confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He saves us from that place called hell. And that would be enough, just that in itself. But He's prepared this place called heaven for us. A place that is is completely real. It's just as real as where we're at today. Just like last week we talked about hell, it's located in the heart of the earth. Heaven, I believe it's just I believe it's just right up there in the sky. When Jesus left this earth, the Bible says he ascended into heaven. He's up there in the sky and a cloud received him out of their sight. I think that cloud had to come and kind of block things because I don't think people could have handled seeing just that door open. The glories of heaven. We can't even imagine what it's like. But it's right there. It's spiritual, but one day our spirit's going to go there, and then then another day is going to come where the spirit and the body it's reunited again. What about my loved one that's when we had him cremated? I think God can handle resurrecting ashes. He made man from dust. Uh, he's got the hairs of our head numbered. I think God can handle that. But you know, I'm you know. I like the, the, really the whole idea of burial like we do it now. It was a Christian thing because Christians understood, hey, this body's going to resurrect someday. It's going it's to come back to life. We were in a funeral home the other, or, uh, 
a funeral the other day and we were in one of these big mausoleums. It was a real nice one. And it had all these spots in the walls where the bodies were at. And we were talking about it. I was like, man, just think what it's going to look like in here after the rapture comes. All these, all these things are open. You've got to wonder what the people left behind are going to be thinking. It's that real. It's going to, it's, it's going to happen. Listen, when, we, when you tell somebody when, uh, at a funeral that they're going to be able to see their loved ones, it's, it's not something we say just to make people feel good. It's something we say because it's true. It's that real. And who knows? It could be just around the corner. Some of us. Oh, that's depressing. No, it's not. Listen, I, I want to go to heaven. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what death is like. It doesn't mean I want to go right now. Okay, obviously I've got responsibilities here. I've got a family. I want God to use me as much as He can while I'm here on this earth. But if I were to die, don't feel sorry for me. I'm going to be okay. And if if you are here today, maybe you're not sure about it. Boy, I get assurance. God saved me. He'll save you. God saved Saul that we were about holding the coats of the men stoning Stephen. God saved him. There's nobody in here that God can't save. And God will take you to heaven and you will be there someday. We will all be there together someday. And I'm so thankful for that. So let's all stand together.